This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the one-year Bible reading for August 1st. Happy August, everyone. We are going to be reading in the Old Testament today in 2 Chronicles chapters 30 and 31. And King Hezekiah has just restored the temple of the Lord. King Hezekiah now sent word to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters of invitation to Ephraim and Manasseh. He asked everyone to come to the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The king, his officials, and all the community of Jerusalem decided to celebrate Passover a month later than usual. They were unable to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests could be purified by then, and the people had not yet assembled at Jerusalem. This plan for keeping the Passover seemed right to the king and all the people. So they sent a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north, inviting everyone to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people had not been celebrating it in great numbers as prescribed in the law. At the king's command, messengers were sent throughout Israel and Judah. They carried letters which said, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel so that he will return to the few of us who have survived the conquest of the Assyrian kings. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and became an object of derision, as you yourselves can see. Do not be stubborn as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple, which he has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn from you. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, and they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. The messengers went from town to town throughout Ephraim and Manasseh, and as far as the territory of Zebulun. But most of the people just laughed at the messengers and made fun of them. However, some from Asher and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. At the same time, God's hand was on the people in the land of Judah, giving them a strong desire to unite in obeying the orders of the king and his officials who were following the word of the Lord. And so a huge crowd assembled at Jerusalem in mid-spring to celebrate Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. They set to work and removed the pagan altars from Jerusalem, they took away all the incense altars and threw them into the Kidron Valley. On the appointed day in mid-spring, one month later than usual, the people slaughtered their Passover lambs. Then the priests and Levites became ashamed. So they purified themselves and brought offerings, burnt offerings, to the temple of the Lord. They took their places at the temple according to the regulations found in the law of Moses, the man of God. The Levites brought the sacrificial blood to the priests, who then sprinkled it on the altar. Since many of the people there had not purified themselves, the Levites had to slaughter their Passover lambs for them to set them apart for the Lord. 
Most of those who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves, but King Hezekiah prayed for them, and they were allowed to eat the Passover meal anyway, even though this was contrary to God's laws. For Hezekiah said, May the Lord, who is good, pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they are not properly cleansed for the ceremony. And the Lord listens, listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed the people. So the people of Israel who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with great joy. Each day, the Levites and priests sang to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. Hezekiah encouraged the Levites for the skill they displayed as they served the Lord. So for seven days, the celebration continued. Peace offerings were sacrificed, and the people confessed their sins to the Lord and the God of their ancestors. The entire assembly then decided to continue the festival another seven days. So they celebrated joyfully for another week. King Hezekiah gave the people 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep for offerings, and the officials donated 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep. Meanwhile, many more priests purified themselves. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, including the priests, the Levites, all who came from the land of Israel, the foreigners who came to the festival, and all those who lived in Judah. There was great joy in the city, for Jerusalem had not seen a celebration like this one since the days of Solomon, King David's son. Then the Levitical priest stood and blessed the people, and God heard them from his holy dwelling in heaven. Now when the festival ended, the Israelites who attended went to all the towns of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh, and they smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, and removed the pagan shrines and altars. After this, the Israelites returned to their own towns and homes. Hezekiah then organized the priests and Levites into divisions to offer the burnt offerings and peace offerings, and to worship and give thanks and praise to the Lord at the gates of the temple. The king also made a personal contribution of animals for the daily morning and evening burnt offerings, as well as for the weekly Sabbath festivals and monthly new moon festivals, and for the other annual festivals as required in the law of the Lord. In addition, he required the people of Jerusalem to bring the prescribed portion of their income to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. The people responded immediately and generously with the first of their crops and grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a tithe of all they owned. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in tithes of their cattle and sheep and a tithe of the things that they had been dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them up in great heaps. The first of these tithes was brought in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people, Israel. Where did all this come from? Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites. And Azariah, the high priest from the family of Zadok, replied, Since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare, for the Lord has blessed his people. Hezekiah decided to have storerooms prepared in the temple of the Lord, and this was done. Then all the gifts and tithes were faithfully brought to the temple. Conaniah, the Levite who was put in charge, assisted by his brother, Shemaiah, 
The supervisors under him were Jael, Azaziah, Nahath, Ashael, Jeremoth, Josabad, Eliel, Ishmachiah, Mahath, and Benaiah. These appointments were made by King Hezekiah and Azariah, the chief official in the temple of God. Koreh, son of Imna the Levite, who was at the gatekeeper at the east gate, was put in charge of distributing the freewill offerings of God, the gifts, and the things that had been dedicated to the Lord. His faithful assistants were Eden, Minamin, Jeshua, Shemaiah, Amariah, and Sekaniah. They distributed the gifts among the families of priests in their towns by their divisions, dividing the gifts fairly among young and old alike. They also distributed the gifts to males, to all males, three years old or older, regardless of their place in the genealogical records, who came daily to the Lord's temple to perform their official duties by their divisions. And they distributed gifts to the priests, who were listed in the genealogical records by families, and to the Levites, 20 years old or older, who were listed according to their jobs and their divisions. Food allotments were also given to all the families listed in the genealogical records, including the little babies, the wives, and the sons and daughters, for they had all been faithful in purifying themselves. As for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who were living in the open villages around the towns, the men were appointed to distribute portions to every male among the priests and to all the Levites listed in the genealogical records. Now, it strikes me here that these Levites and these Levitical families must have been sorely neglected during this time because it was the job of the people of Israel to provide for them, not only land, but food and gifts. In this way, King Hezekiah handled the distribution throughout all Judah, doing what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. In all that he did in the service of the temple of God and in his efforts to follow the law and the commands, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Romans chapter 15. We, Paul, and other Christians may know that these things make no difference. And the question is, what things? Well, he's just ta been talking about um, eating food or not eating food, issues of Christian freedom that might be a stumbling block for others. So we may know that these things make no difference, but we cannot just go ahead and do them to please ourselves. We must be considerate of the doubts and fears of those who think these things are wrong. We should please others. If we do what helps them, we will build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't please himself. I think I lost my signal there for a second, so let me back up a couple. We must be considerate of the doubts and fears of those who think these things are wrong. We should please others. If we do what helps them, we will build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't please himself. As the scriptures say, those who insult you are also insulting me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. 
then God will be glorified. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. And he came so the Gentiles might also give glory to God for the mercies to them. That is what the psalmist met, meant when he wrote, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place, it is written, Rejoice, O you Gentiles, along with his people, the Jews. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And the prophet Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles, and they will place their hopes on him. So I pray that God, who gives you hope, will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am fully convinced, dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you are able to teach others all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to emphasize some of these points, knowing that all you need in this uh, is this reminder from me. For I am, by God's grace, a special messenger from Jesus Christ to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news and offer you up as a fragrant sacrifice to God, so that you might be pure and pleasing to him by the Holy Spirit. So it is right for me to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. I dare not boast of anything else. I have brought the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I lived before them. I have won them over by the miracles done through me as signs from God, all by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ, all the way from Jerusalem, clear over to Elycrium. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. Psalm 25, a Psalm of David. We're going to read this in two parts, the first part today. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to follow your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your unfailing love and compassion, which you have shown from long ages past. Forgive the rebellious sins of my youth. Look instead through the eyes of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in what is right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all those who keep his covenant and obey his decrees. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the promised land. 
friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. My eyes are always looking to the Lord for help, for he alone can rescue me from the traps of my enemies. Proverbs 20, 13 through 15. If you sleep, love sleep, I should say, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. The buyer haggles over the price saying it is worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. And to end today, I am back in the life you've always wanted, and I am back in Interrupting Heaven. I thought about going on to the next discipline, but I'm really enjoying this, and I hope you are too. So I'm going to read to you today from Learning to Be Fully Present. It is time to be honest. Does your mind ever wander when you pray? Mine does. I used to think the day would come when I would be capable of vast stretches of purely focused prayer, but so far it has not happened. Something about praying often seems to push my mind into a kind of spiritual attention deficit disorder. And I just find this so encouraging from John Ortberg, who's been a pastor for years and, you know, just really a giant of the faith. So for a long time, I felt guilty about this. I thought it involved a kind of failure. And of course, sometimes it does indicate a need to pause and refocus my attention, as we discussed earlier. But over time, I've learned that if my mind keeps returning to a particular topic during prayer, it's probably an indication that this is the topic that is of most concern to me and I need to talk to God about. I remember one day sitting down to pray and noticing that I was in the middle of an anger fantasy involving a leader from a church I used to serve. In my anger fantasies, I rarely lash out at someone overtly. That wouldn't seem very pastoral. Instead, I made this person I was angry at realize how miserably he had behaved by heaping coals of reproach on his head. It occurred to me that I might have some issues around resentment and forgiveness to deal with, and I understood that rather than try to repress this thought and return to my original prayer agenda, I needed to stop and talk with God about my anger. Sometimes, I'll be praying and notice that I'm having an, a fantasy about achieving some grandiose accomplishment or doing something that requires great courage. I'm not going to give any examples. This is embarrassing enough already. At those times, what I need to talk to God about is my need to feel important and inappropriate ways I feel that need. I may need to pause during prayer to be reminded by God that I am loved simply because he made me and has redeemed me. It may be well, it may well be that when your mind wanders, it is wandering to what your heart most needs to speak with God about. A friend once told me that it may be far better to think of those wandering thoughts as stepping stones to prayer rather than as barriers. This is part of learning to be fully present when praying. We all know what it is like to have a conversation with someone when they are distracted or preoccupied and are with us in body only. The same thing can easily happen in prayer. So I've had to learn to become aware of and speak with God about what is actually happening within me during prayer. I learned this through conversations with a spiritual director, someone I met with on a regular basis solely for the purpose of learning more about prayer. I would write down in a journal a review of what had taken place each time I prayed. Oftentimes in talking with my spiritual director afterward, I would say something like, I was quite tired while I prayed on Monday. And she would ask me, did you speak to the Lord about this? No. 
Do you think it would be a good idea to do that? Yes. I was humbled by how long it took to learn this one lesson, to be aware of what is happening within me when I pray, whether I am tired or bored or excited or distracted, and then talking to God directly about what is happening has made my prayer become much more lively experience in my life. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. It certainly is to me to just speak with the Lord about what is actually happening and I'll just sometimes also to stay with what stirs me, even if it is ugly, and to allow the Lord to speak into that. So hope you have a beautiful day. Love you all.